0: Theology. theology, unplugged. Welcome to Theology Unplugged. We are back with you, and we are excited about talking about uh, what were we doing to talk about Clint. stuff, stuff important We, we can't stuff. wait to talk about theology stuff. Yeah, it's true I mean. stuff, stuff that is interesting and stuff that you will not be able to turn your dial from,
1: and really stuff that's very, very. Relevant. Relevant. To write okay. this minute.
0: Relevance, And we have talked about this stuff that we're going to be talking about here today. And we, we've just been hitting this from every angle because this is very much a cultural phenomenon that's going on. Every one of us. I mean, we talk about it. You you probably sit at home and think about it, talk about it. You've had so many conversations about it. But we thought maybe we could give a little bit of something unique with regard to a history of type thing. Of? Uh. Of uh, is it social economics? Is it critical race? I mean, what what is it, Clint? Because well, you're you're the you're the driving force here. You're the smart guy at the table. I'm so smart. <laughs> I
1: feel so smart right now.
0: <laughs> Mr. Theology or uh, philosophy philosophy. professor That's
1: right Yes, well, for the the remainder of this portion I should talk like this, you know Because I'm smarter than all of you (laughs) I say all of you Just talk
2: like Bertrand Russell (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
1: yeah, he does kind of sound like that, doesn't he? A a little little bit, bit, even more I mean, he did, I should say Yeah, he did uh, we could just call it critical theory if we wanted, to, because that's just such an exciting title. Yeah. yeah. Everyone, still listening.
0: What is it? Just critical theory, or is this well, critical they race call it theory? theory. No,
1: it's critical theory. That's an umbrella term umbrella. under which are critical race theory. Because what it is, it's a it's a kind of Marxist critique of things. Yeah. Which some later guys decided let's just apply it to everything.
0: Well, is this like a theology of social economics?
1: Mm. Uh, I mean it it, it involves it it it
2: could be yeah it involves everything because
1: it's all about the systems man it's all the systems A
0: history how about a history of the theology of social economics and critical race theory as it pertains to no, your, it, it's not your It sounds like you're presenting an academic very, paper.
2: Right?
1: Very, or, very relevant. Or a, a well title of
2: there. a 17th century essay. That's yeah. Like or that's, a that's Michael's off. dissertation. <laughs> what on earth? I
1: could throw some terms at you that I, th- I thought, um, if people wonder, do I know what this is? Am I familiar? Here are some terms. I mean, okay. we know these terms, but go just whatever you think. So um, how about, like I mentioned systems and systemic things. Hmm? Yeah. Um, implicit bias. Mm-hmm. A microaggression. hmm Social justice. How about intersectional? Are you cisgender? There's another one. Or are you maybe transphobic? How about cancel culture? Or here's, here's, a, here's one that makes what? you sound. Canceled culture? Cancel culture. Oh. culture. There's also call out culture, where I got to call you out for being you know bad in okay. some way or another. Um, but here's one that'll make you sound smart to all your friends hegemonic power. There we go. That's how Billy Graham would say it. Yeah. Hegemonic power. That's true. Anyway. <laughs> <Power>. uh, <laughs> you like that? I don't yes. know why I thought of that. Virtue signaling. Virtue signaling. Identity politics. Being woke. We know that one. Yeah. There you uh, go. Marginalized groups. Uh, people of color or persons of color. Sort of the way to say it now. How about heteronormative? And then there are a series of phrases that have white at the beginning white privilege white fragility white supremacy white rage and then there are forms of racism like institutional racism or systemic racism or structural racism all right am i sort of like you're getting the picture we've well, we got plenty to choose from this title is the from. sphere well, we're <laughs> in i'm but, just describing it with language language
2: are are going to fall under the umbrella of
1: Yeah, because they all, so this is the new vocab of a a kind of, you could call it a new philosophical orientation. Some people think of it as almost a new religion because some people are passionate enough about it to make it something religious for them. It is their religion for some some people. So the new religion of,
0: if I was to to say, okay, come up with something right now, the new religion of what?
1: Uh, Wokeness?
0: Okay.
2: Yeah, we did, We discussed that in our last podcast. It's yeah. moral ther- therapy, Moralistic wokeism.
1: therapy, that's right. Therapeutic wokeism.
2: yeah, therapeutic wokeism.
1: Because it's not but so this, much yeah, okay. deism anymore. Wokeism,
2: that's,
0: right. that's right, that's right.
1: But like all things, it has roots. And I think to sort of understand what's happening now, when I say now, I mean like the people that use all those words and books and curriculum being studied in school systems and in colleges and people out on the street tearing stuff up and movement like Black Lives Matter. They are all sharing... This history of ideas, you know, sometimes they think that it that all the all the white Europeans we're talking about this all the dead Europeans are all just um, traditional conservative types, and that's why we got to tear down their statues. But what we what we can see that maybe they don't even know is that they also are carrying on the traditions and the ideas of some Sir. dead white Europeans. Europeans, absolutely. That's where their ideas come from. Hmm. But do you want so here? I can give you the so I can give you, though, what the, what the guiding theory is. Here is the basic concept, in a nutshell, that we'll be talking about of critical theory. The gospel according to critical theory. It says basically, basically, that there are two basic classes of people. An oppressor class and an oppressed class. And the degree to which you belong to one or the other has everything to do with your identity. Not your identity in terms of your character your identity along the lines of race, gender, class, sexual orientation, maybe your physical ability. Furthermore, oppressors do not often even realize that they are oppressors. They may not even be oppressors individually, but the emphasis here is: uh, of critical theory is not on individuals. It's on systems or structures, Hmm. not individuals. And so, therefore, the fight for justice, as they perceive it, is an effort not for you to become a better person, not for individual discipleship to take place, not to shape your character. The fight for justice is the active dismantling of the systems or the culture or the structures that are perpetuating this oppression, perpetuating this privilege for one group at the expense of the others, of the marginalized ones. In a nutshell, that's the message.
0: Hmm. Okay, so what. what... We'll need to hear this. Why? Why do a podcast on theology unplugged about this to our particular audience? Why? uh, What? Isn't shouldn't this be done on some other type of thing where where they're talking about this kind of stuff? But why theology unplugged? Why our people?
1: Well, I'll just say this: um, anything that this has a stronghold on major institutions of the culture, we know it's it's been in education a long time. Now it's in entertainment and in media, and it's in corporations. Corporations are getting on board because they feel fair. They're, they're scared they have to. Yeah. Um, it is, if you turned on your TV and you thought, why are they burning the cities? And you wondered what's behind that? This is what's behind that. Mm. And furthermore, very pertinent to us, this is now leaking into where, Carrie? Seminaries and churches. There you go.
0: Mm. And you know, another thing is, somebody's asking us should i get involved should i go down down the street and join in because there is that pressure that is just enormous it's upon it's upon us but how much more so upon our kids that are growing up within this to kind of conform it's it's this it's a new conformity and if you fall any anywhere outside of this man i'll tell you i've never seen such persecution and such hatred and it's not even developed yet and here we are you know it's just get in line right now right at every single on-ramp that we are letting you have or you know be gone forever there's no more on-ramps for you
2: yeah that's yeah. The, the the byproduct of cancel culture yeah. essentially if you're not with us Whatever you're, that means, if you're know. not if you're not with us you're against us and if you're against us we are going to cancel you no. so but okay. but that's a little bit of a side side but well I guess we were, the ta- reason were talking about it though yeah is, we were is, saying
1: well where does it come from and who would we where yeah. would we look back to the history and I I kinda of was thinking you know watching this happen I always think you know I remember being in school a long time ago cuz you know I took some theology classes you did too Michael I took philosophy classes I remember books you would read and they would talk about some of these things but I would always think well that's kinda of interesting and a little bit weird but what relevance does this have to me? I'm not gonna. I, I am not gonna face people that think like this. Mm. I'm going out to the churches and wherever I'm gonna go serve. I will probably not encounter this. This is academic. This is some European guys. At most, you got a little bit of like, um, you know, the uh, social gospel. Yeah. You know, liberation yeah. theology. Yeah. And you're like, okay, maybe. But even that, I never really met a lot of people like that myself. Yeah. yeah. So you forget about it then as i'm looking at it today i think i start to vaguely remember i'm like wait a minute and one of of course one of the key godfathers this goes back to is is your favorite of all the man you know and love of course and that is marx no not groucho no not what's groucho's brother harpo harpo chico (laughs) and no not richard even though i do encourage you all to hold on (laughs) to the night anyway Right, the hold on to the memories.
2: Richard Mullet Marx. Right.
1: Right. But this is a different Marx, of course. This is one Carl Marx. should I, should, I, should we say a couple things about just who he was in case people sure. don't know? Sure. What? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh... All right. Here's your crash course on Marx. Marx. I'll, I'll
2: sit looking like him. Yeah.
1: Bar, yeah. Where? Where's your beard, lady? What's my beard. Uh, Marx was born to a Jewish family, to a long line of rabbis. His father's birth name was. Now check me if this might sound a little Jewish to you. Herschel Mordecai Levi. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Let's play Jew or not a Jew. Yeah, but he changed it to Marx <laughs> because, uh, because of the Prussian State Church, which was Lutheran. And uh, you know, for professional reasons, he wanted to be a businessman. He said, uh, this name ain't, ain't cutting it because there was anti-Semitism in the, in the mix, sadly enough. So he studies... He comes under the influence of a philosopher named... And this is the
0: 20th century, early 20th oh, yeah, century. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he's born in
0: 1818.
1: Okay. He comes under the influence of a philosopher by the name of Hegel. Hegel, University of Berlin. Now, what did he get from Hegel?
0: Hegelian dialect. Hegelian
1: dialect. What is that, Michael? Michael is what this is?
0: Well, it's two extremes. You have a mediating position in the middle that's usually the advanced one, and that is thesis the evolution
1: of thesis. truth. Right. Synthesis. You're right. Thesis, yeah. antithesis. They, over time, they form the synthesis, which becomes the new it's thesis. thesis. Yeah, there you go. And that's how go. history moves. Yeah. It's a dialectic, and history is moving forward. But but Hegel's idea of this conflict was a conflict of ideas, and he thought history is unfolding in a good way, moving toward... But Hegel had a spiritual component, because this is the way that something like the mind of God is yeah, yeah. unveiling itself, uh-huh. and he called it absolute spirit, and that's the whole thing. So it's kind of spiritual. Marx, of course, is exposed to this. At the same time, he starts to see what goes on in the big cities and he's exposed to urban industrialization and the plight of workers, which we know is going to become a big deal to him. At age 23, just like all of us, he earned his doctorate at age 23, just like we all did. <laughs> and um, anyway, yeah, he got noticed by some important people. They were like, yeah, this guy, he's pretty smart. He's going to be important. He fell in with the radicals, the free thinkers, but they were a little bit leery because he was kind of radical. He started to get into some of these things. He, he was influenced by another guy, another philosopher named Ludwig Feuerbach. You ever heard of Feuerbach?
0: I have not, I don't think.
1: Uh, so Feuerbach took Hegel and stripped all the idealism and the spiritualism out of him. And so the focus was on material factors only for Feuerbach, material factors. So um, higher ideas like transcendent things, religion, were only the products of man's desire for better circumstances. Hmm, This influences Marx quite a bit. Marx was chased from the Prussian and German lands. He winds up in Paris. Then he falls in with some more radicals. Um, and he, he learned from, here. here's a great French name for you, Comte de Saint-Simon, hyphenated name, baby. Hmm. Who taught him that class conflict is the source of all economic determinism. Class conflict. That's a big deal, man. Class conflict. He also formed a lifelong friendship with Friedrich Engels, the son of a wealthy German manufacturer. One of the ironies about Marx and all the Marxists, and even the, even the later guys in the later school, is in order for them to be able to perpetuate their Marxism, to write their books, and to, and to, and to uh, gather people and organize and all that, they needed a... Dirty capitalist dollars from some guys who had been successful in business, and B, they needed a free society that would let them do it, which is why Marx winds up in London.
2: Yeah, funding and liberty.
1: Yeah. What do you know? Them ain't so bad after all. Yeah. (laughs) Just like in, just, which were two things that obviously characterized all the Marxist regimes of the uh, 20th century. Not! Anyway, in 1850, Marx settled with his family in London. London, a free, open society. Where he would spend the rest of his life he would he spent all his life basically writing and researching he, he hardly did much of anything he was an intellectual leader of all these movements like the london's uh, international workingmen's association the socialist democratic party of germany and the infamous paris commune people have been writing about the paris commune recently in 1871 uh, yeah, because, because of, of chad Chaz, Chaz <laughs> chop, chop. Because flop,
2: <laughs> <the> fl- <laughs> yeah, flop. That's what it is now.
1: Because the Paris, the Paris Commune lasted a lot longer than Chaz did, but it was similar. They took over. It, Paris. It took
2: a while for what happened in Chaz to happen in the Paris Commune. But right, happen it did, so.
1: as, as it always would, wouldn't it? So Mark spends all these years going to the library every day, working on his great work, Das Kapital, which basically means the money. And so this is his great work, and he. But meantime, he lives in poverty. Um, he earns a little bit of pay as a freelance writer. He contributed often to the New York Daily Tribune. He was supported mostly by his rich friend Ingalls, and he would comment on popular events from now, now and then, but mostly he was he was an intellectual leader. He didn't actually organize. He didn't even get along well with people. And, he, and his living conditions were bad. Ill health um, led to the deaths of his wife and daughter, and ultimately himself. He was buried in a modest grave. His funeral only had 11 people. Ingalls eulogized him. And that was it. It wouldn't be until seventy years after that that the Communist Party of Great Britain would erect a grand monument, granite statue, and a bust of his words from the Communist Manifesto, which are workers of the world unite. 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 That's right. In fact, I think they're the closing words in it, right? So what's the point? Well, Marx would become hugely influential, even though he even though he was not massively influential in his time, he was a godfather to these Marx to these communist types. But he wasn't taken terribly seriously. and um, But in the 20th century, of course, his ideas became way more widespread than I think he would have even imagined. Hmm. They say that at one point, uh, nearly a fifth of the human beings on planet Earth lived under governments that were inspired by Marxism yeah. during, its, during its height. And what wonderful lives that they lived, part of the problem. <laughs> and even though Marx envisioned this he envisioned this for Western industrial nations. That's where he lived. That's what he thought. None of them ever really adopted it. The Nazi Party, they, some people thought might because they echoed some aspects. It was national socialists. But instead, the Nazi Party went its own way as later some Marxists were really upset. Like, dang, how come that didn't go the way we thought it would? And instead, Marxism really took hold in underdeveloped countries like Russia and China, Vietnam, Korea, Cambodia Cuba Venezuela that's where it actually the governments actually took him seriously enough to create governments
2: implement those ideas based on it yeah.
1: not that he would have been on board with all of them but they certainly were on board with him so and you know in the academic world one of the dirty secrets maybe a lot of people don't know is Marxism never died out in the academic world I mean it was all it, it retained a sort of popularity um, at, you know Left-thinking people always had a special little love for Marx. They, mm-hmm. they were always a little bit enamored of him. University departments in the West never were like Marx. What a terrible, that didn't work. Or well, because the basic repudiated.
0: fundamental uh, <laughs> principles that they tried to live by, moral guidelines. They both were trying to fulfill the exact same things,
1: right? Yeah.
0: Or are trying to fulfill the exact yeah. same thing. They the, always
1: like
2: the liked ivory it. tower leans left, the leaning tower, leaning of, left tower. Leaning,
1: and they yeah. always had their affinity for him. Well, now though, see it's not just that affinity. It's not just that it's in the background. Now there are courses offered in it, in particular. So, for example, let me read to you the description of a course called Marx and Critical Theory hmm. from a pop- very prominent university. Course description: Quote. A critical theory has a distinctive aim, to unmask the ideology falsely justifying some form of social or economic oppression, to reveal it as ideology, and in so doing, to contribute to the task of ending that oppression. Also, a critical theory aims to provide a kind of enlightenment about social and economic life that is itself emancipatory. Persons come to recognize the oppression they are suffering as oppression. And are thereby partly freed from it. Marx's critique of capitalist economic relations is arguably just this kind of critical theory. Hmm. So you see how we're not drawing the parallel. We're not saying, "Hey, Marx and critical theory are related." They're saying it. Yeah. Nor are we calling them bad names. If if, if someone when someone says today, you know, the Black Lives, Matter mov- Black Lives Matter movement is sort of basically a Marxist movement, and some people might think well, why, are you, why do you have to call them names like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, their founders openly claim we're a Marxist movement. Yeah.
2: And if you read their agenda, it it yeah. is inherently neo-Marxist. Yeah. So,
1: so the Marxism it. is what it is. And and so I think there are a couple of things we get from Marx that contribute to critical theory. And we can talk about what they are. I think one of them is materialism. that Not materialism is in money materialism is a philosophy that is that that god, god and religion are out they're, they're weak traditional religion anyway is out you know we know what marx thought about religion don't we he's
2: the o- yeah
1: he famously um, you know in fact in fact marx wrote this in a critique of hegel and he loved hegel in a way but he he wrote a critique of hegel where that this was his only main problem was hegel's too religious hmm. cuz he called his spiritual stuff he says religion is the sigh of the oppressed creature the heart of a heartless world and the soul of soulless conditions. It is the opium of the people. The abolition of religion as the illusory happiness of the people is the demand for their real happiness. Hmm. He's a materialist. He thinks it's the material conditions yeah. that that are your ultimate goal. Um, that's, that's it. So it's totally materialistic. And that's one thing I think that today, I don't know, I, th- I think most of this, Critical theory doesn't – I don't hear them talk a lot about God. I don't hear them talk much about forgiveness, redemption, true reconciliation. Um, well, they, until you, you know, see
0: the crossroads that this has, like you mentioned earlier, and i thought of this uh, quite a bit, and I was trying to trying to figure out whether or not this is, is a development of it. But whenever you talk about liberation theology, and you do – you know study liberation theology you see a lot of the same stuff you know but in liberation theology the idea is this is what god's ultimate command is you know be there for the oppressed and you know take care of people that are unable to take care of themselves and so this is the ultimate from from their standpoint it's the ultimate end to our faith i mean i, I don't see anybody's grabbing hold of that and running with it today that much mm-hmm. But, you know if I was uh, leading this movement I would say hey start having that with your mantra more because you've lost it it was there for a little while but it just seems to have disappeared under the guise of so uh, I think the acceptance of this has driven so many people to be irresponsible and in, in, in just about every way intellectually and then even Christians to be irresponsible in every way trying to link it to the Bible because it seems like it's assumed everywhere now I mean obviously I I we, we run around crowds we have different crowds Crowds, but but you know this isn't one of those things where you can really draw the line and say here's the Christians over here and here's the non-Christians. I mean you've got you've got it just across the board where the I Christians the are line. going, where the Christians are going <laughs> I can in this direction.
2: Which line the Christians are. And on. And what you're
0: saying is you they don't they don't understand what we don't understand is that this is already a, a failed movement. Is that what it's? I mean, maybe that's a, the end thing, but. Uh, yeah, Marxism I mean, is a failed movement.
1: I mean, we're not we're not even saying what we might have said about <clears throat> liberation theology and social gospel, which is, well, it's just theologically not interpreting the scripture very well. Th- these guys, I mean, I'm sure they're, I'm sure they have different views. I mean, I'm sure they're not all exactly the same, but some of them for sure. Like I know, one of their writers they like to quote is Tanahisi Coates. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a son of a Black Panther he he openly professes to be atheist mm. and and maybe a few others do but in other words there's just not a strong urge within the marxist movements and why would there be it's hard to christianize marx yeah um it really is and so if you are really marxist you are you're you'd be going against the grain if you said oh and by the way i'm also deeply religious or spiritual yeah it tends to just be materialistic and it tends to it tends to be atheistic and it tends to be have some level of hostility toward traditional Christian trans- belief. transcendence
0: but yeah. the, that's not the way they would view themselves is it I mean from their standpoint this is this is a morality this is yeah. something that is well, I, I know it's materialistic the, but at the same time which, what isn't materialistic that, well,
2: see, that's the, whenever
0: it comes to taking care of people did Jesus the heal the the sick people the physical people did he did he say uh, you know um uh, go go be with those people who don't have what they need whenever you're there in jail, go visit it. I mean, all these things that Jesus said was a materialistic situation. So what's the problem with trying to link this to the Bible and say, they are covering an aspect of it and they think we're neglecting, or the other side is neglecting a major, major concern well, within that's, the scripture? Well,
2: that's the material point to make, to make upon there. Um, I think that, you know, with them trying to in some way infuse or redeem Marx or infuse Marxist principles within, uh, you know, a Christian framework, it doesn't work because they're fundamentally at odds. If you're saying that the goal is to take care of people and all that, well, we share that with people across the board, you know, to take care of those that are in need and this and that and this and that. Mm-hmm. But I think the, and I'll let Clint carry on from that, but I mean, I think that that the a fundamental issue is the motivation behind it and the worldview behind it and if it is inherently godless you know why then do we need to adopt those principles when we're already we already have the principles set before us to tell us how to take care of people and how to you know those orphans and widows who are in their distress that's that's a true religion right for us that's how we you know um, express our faith that's one way um so i mean if we already have the principles then my question would ultimately why do we need to adopt principles from you know any other source other than scripture right
0: yeah i want to so, think so i mean right I, but, but
2: you do get down to the fundamental you know,
0: but I'm, I'm trying to see how people talks. are being drawn to this even from within the church because i see good committed christians mm-hmm. i see people that are otherwise you know that, that I would look at them and say, "Man, these people are really following the Lord, following the Bible. They they seem to be good interpreters. Sometimes they're even, you know, part of seminary or have gone to seminary or or whatever else. I see them being drawn towards this, and I I can't think that it's just purely a pressure thing. I I have to think in their minds they are fulfilling could something. Can they
2: be deceived? Well,
0: possibly. I mean,
2: what would it, what would be wrong with even considering they could be deceived?
0: Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I definitely consider it, but yeah. what I'm saying is that, from their standpoint. Obviously, there's a big lack on the other side. There's a big lack of care, well, compassion, maybe, maybe concern. Maybe
2: it uh, to to the history. It could. I, I know we're getting there. I'm and just trying maybe, to. That's why we're. I'm just we're trying to this say
0: thing. this is probably the reason why we got so many Christians doing this, and that mm-hmm. there is a a relationship that people try to draw between this and the scriptures
2: okay well are they seeing and somehow seeing that the church is phased That' what you're saying they're seeing that the church is failing in these areas because i quite oh frankly, yeah yeah definitely i, I, I hear that charge yeah. often but i'm like w- what are you talking about all the churches i know are engaged in food drives they're engaged in helping uh unwed mothers they're engaged in across the board
0: yeah from the most well no i i'm with you carrie you know i'm with you oh i know
2: that but i'm wondering like where is this charge coming from and i think it goes beyond taking care of people what what they're now buying into are the notions that say even that christianity is somehow a tool of the page you know what i don't want to actually get off on that right i think we should maybe kind of Kind of re- yeah, I mean, I think it's
1: to, a good question. To go. that you well, raised. here's what I'm trying
0: to do: is I'm trying to take a piece of the audience, and I'm trying to say, "Here's the audience here, and they're listening to these things." Uh-huh. And I don't, I don't think it's uh, for for us who think about it all the time and work through these things. It's it seems pretty cut and dry and pretty simple. But for them, they're looking. Why not? <clears> you yeah, know, it yeah, seems yeah. makes sense.
1: Well,
2: then, Clint, what, what, what would yeah, you well, sure, say?
1: sure, sure. I mean, I mean, I, look, I know people too. I know people too who uh, I'm convinced they're they're fine Christians. You know, they're. And and I don't know that they. Uh, in fact, I don't think that they just sign on to all of that we just talked about. I mean, I don't think they just say Marx is, right of the money, and I'm a Marxist. Mm-hmm. They don't say that. They want to show solidarity. They see a movement. They think, you know, I want to show the compassion to show that I'm one of the good guys. I want mm-hmm. to, and I want it to make God look good. To see that, look, look, I'm I'm over here. I'm 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 Joe Christian, and I want to show you that I care too, and we care, and. That's all well and good I think that the, that motive is good I think probably in most cases they either don't know what the background of this is like you know they or they know and they probably don't fully agree with it but this is also the age of keep your mouth shut and stay out of trouble don't yeah. cause trouble yeah. so many of them will quietly disagree with some of this background stuff like that they, they would say especially when you look at like Carrie mentioned the there, there are platform statements of faith, sort of, in these movements like, like BLM, and they tell you what they believe. Most of the Christians I know, would would there would be two or three of those at least, and they would probably privately go, I don't really agree with that, yeah. that part, yeah. you know? Yeah. But I want to show that I care. I want to show—and by the way, we can be as fair—we we should be fair, we must be fair. And I even say whenever I'm talking about Marx, I even say Marx was not an idiot, and he got some things right. He saw, he, he, thought, he figured, the way he saw it is, I'm trying to help lead a movement for people, people who are getting it bad, and they need a voice. And he had a moral component to what he was doing. And so, for example, I, I would usually list some things such as, Marx was right when he points out abusive and dangerous work conditions in the early factories of London. They were terrible. Mm-hmm. They were really bad. He also, I think... Was onto something when he pointed out things like the alienation of a lot of workers who, from their that, that's part. Sometimes when you work, you, you're not. It's not you're not working. You're on your own stuff. You're maybe you're in a factory. Maybe I understand that that component. I don't think he was wrong about that. Also, some of the detrimental effects of consumerism, like what he called commodity fetishism, when he says everyone's so consumed with buying stuff, they think they've got to buy more and more stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I kind of agree. I think that those. But here's the thing we can and in some ways have addressed much of that and still should without without flipping the the entire western civilization on its head throwing god out closing the doors of the churches you know what i mean yeah. right
2: because the the the, the symptoms and the, and the root problem and all of that you know there's i think there's kind of the dividing line that the remedy is completely different so the marx's was right like he's saying to recognize these problems but his remedy was was wrong it wasn't it wasn't it, it just m- makes it worse and of course we've seen that throughout the 20th century that it really does make so mark
0: sitting here but, coming up with this idea he wasn't thinking in his mind man no, i mean he wasn't, he, he wasn't saying i can't wait to pull he off satan's scratching his you know? big,
2: scruffy beard no. you know you know plotting the well i don't want to say he, he, he thought he was doing was right he did think communism would only work at a world level you know what i mean If if everyone and us as the well and he he also thought it was inevitable
1: see you know this is all very world viewish i mean consider once 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 you have a material world god's not god's not there no god now you have human nature what is that what are we now you know now you have um what is history how does history proceed well he's got this whole view of history it's way different from ours yeah (laughs) the point of it the purpose where it's going how it culminates sure and he was sure that uh he was sure that inevitably, the the current system of, you know, in his mind, what we have now, which is, rich guys, rich capitalists who own everything, own the mm-hmm. factories, Zuckerberg and, or whoever, I mean, that's that Amazon guy, you know what I mean, like all those yeah. guys, rich guys, and uh, and then you have the good, you know, the the gajillion people who do all the work, yeah, the you know g- what I mean, who, the good guys, right? They make the hourly <laughs> wage, and. In his view, that's parallel to past forms. Because so so what he does is he takes the Hegelian idea of the dialectic, and then he strips it out of the spiritual, makes it materialistic, and he calls his view dialectical materialism. And to him, here's how it works you have in the old, old, old days, you got slave, you got slaves, and you got master. Well, that's a power imbalance, you know, that's a that's bound, that's bound, that can't last forever. It's overturned. Then you get serf and lord. Then you get you know what I mean, he he thinks we're we keep It's d- cyclical. History keeps happening and now we're here where we have capitalists and the workers. When his he used uh, he used French terms bourgeois mm. up here, the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. proletariat. Yeah. And inevitably that can't last. Inevitably the the workers all getting the raw deal, they got all the numbers, they'll start to realize just how raw their deal is and they'll say, screw this, Um, we rise up, and they will organize, and they will overthrow those rich guys, and they will seize the means, and that will usher in, and he thought that would usher in a temporary period of kind of chaos, and what he called the dictatorship of the proletariat, and he called that socialism, but that will settle eventually into what he thought of as capitalism, or I mean mean, uh, communism, Mm -hmm. which is basically a classless society. Yeah. And basically, the, you know, the the hymn, the hymn for this, there's a hymn book of one, could be, you know, imagine, right? The, you know, Lennon. The John Lennon song. Not Vladimir, but, uh, but John. Yeah, that's the hymn. It's like, imagine that world now where there are no classes anymore. He thought, he thought, the strange thing is he thought it's inevitable. It will happen. And we must actively participate to bring it on. Yeah. To it. So another yeah. thing I think that they get that the critical theorists of today get from Marx is the idea of activism and revolution because Marx was different from other theorists. So in 1845, he wrote a thing called Theses on Feuerbach, where he made 11 brief statements on how he adapted Feuerbach and improved him. Feuerbach had got his, um, uh, you know, had a materialistic interpretation. He thought that was good, but he thought interpretation of the world is not enough. Feuerbach, you see, was too theoretical. Marx said these views must be put into what he called revolutionary practice.
2: Gotta put legs on it.
1: The final thesis reads like this, quote, Philosophers have hitherto only interpreted the world in various ways. The point is to change it. That's why the Marxist movements are not just academic. They don't just do blogs. They don't just say, here's what I think. They're revolutionary. Mm-hmm. They get people mm-hmm. out into streets and they tear down statues and yeah. they burn stuff. Yeah. And they say, tear down the systems, actively participate in tearing yeah. down. And, and as we'll see later, if you're not doing that, you're a racist. You're a bad person. If you're not actively engaged in that process mm-hmm. right now, um, you're, that's not good. It's not good enough for you to say, hey, I'm a good guy. I've never hated anybody. Yeah, but are you out there trying to tear the system down? Well, what oh, is no! The, what
0: is the correspondence? You know, I know it's not a one to one correspondence to where it's Marxism completely, but what's the relationship that this has as far as everything? I mean, just so many different things. You listened to them at the very beginning, you know, twenty different names we could have named this, but all of those have a different nuance concerning, you know, yeah. something else. I mean, and- what what is what is the correspondence exactly that you're you're trying to get at with this?
2: And that would be a really good place to, you know, kind of stop. And then we'll pick that up in the next episode. Does that sound good?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: All right. We'll see you soon.
1: Theology
2: Unplugged.